getting this thing started, how would you describe what it is that you do or what it is that you talk about really on your channel? Uh, I mean, I, I drawing on Buddhist wisdom teachings because I predominantly my background is Buddhism. A little Advaita Vedanta thrown in there uh, from Ramana Maharshi. But just drawing on Buddhist wisdom teachings, I, I all of my on my channel is just recorded live talks that I'm giving. Mm -hmm. So I have weekly Sangha talks and and just trying to help us take these teachings and understand them in a way that helps us identify less with the ego, understand the ego, understand all the disguises of the ego, how it keeps trapping us, how we've identified with it. And not so much necessarily to kill the ego because the ego is an illusion. I don't, it doesn't really exist. And I think that just creates more resistance, but to see how it's arising, um, to be less identified with it, and then to really experience who you really are, because what's behind all of that? How are you arising in each moment? And so it's not like I have this big, there, there's no plan at all. There's really no plan at all to this. It's just an idea comes from somewhere for a talk one week, from, from one week to the next. And it kind of builds. And I don't really know how that's kind of coming. It's just they kind of come and they build on each other. And it's just sharing and helping people to, um, to, to identify less with the ego, to pay attention and see what's really going on. Mm -hmm. to see for themselves what's going on, how we are arising in each moment. Because I think it, it can be quite scary for people when they hear that we're not the ego, who they identify with, all of their desires and all of their fears and all of their accolades and success and, and all of those things. And it's, it can be quite distressing to hear that. And yet, when you start to see and pay attention to how you are arising in each moment, based on millions and billions and trillions of different causes and conditions and changing moment by moment. That's how, uh, it's not that you don't exist, right? You, you exist, but you're existing not as a thing, as a process that's constantly arising and changing, constantly arising and changing. And I think that the, the, there's a progression of understanding the ego, of understanding our thought habits, our, our mind patterns and how we create our own suffering through our own perceptions of reality, which are not reality, but our perception from a very I'm the center of the universe point of view yeah. to get to this viewpoint of you are a part of this. There is nothing to hold on to. And there is nothing here that could hold on to anything out there. There's nothing. Con this is all just arising moment by moment by moment. And and to, to really help people get to that stage. So I kind of start because we'll, we'll have seasons like down here in Mexico. We just started the season. Everyone's coming down from the cold from North America or from the States and Canada. So I do classes in my house as well. So we kind of start a new season and kind of build up. And, and just last week, if you watched last week's talk, we were talking about this again, like how you are arising. Um, and, and so I guess there is kind of every time we start again, I, I kind of start from the beginning and, and it kind of builds always a little bit differently. I never kind of know how it's going to get there. But but this is where I'm always trying to get people to, is to see this, to pay attention to what is really going on. You're so we're so lost in our in our 
in our repetitive, just rehashing the same thoughts over and over again. And we don't see, and, and even in one of the themes that I'm, I'm constantly bringing up, even in spirituality, where people get so lost because we're looking for something there, we're looking for the more divine me. There's a little, there's a little me inside here that's more divine and more special and and more holy and mm. and and will never make mistakes and will always say the right thing and yeah. and no one will ever be unkind to it again. And and I think we get really off track in spirituality as well because we're we're still we 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 accept. We're not the ego, happily. Thank you. I am not this feeling uh, unworthy, unlovable, doubting myself thing. Like, wow, great. Yeah, I don't want that. Everyone's okay with that. And then it's like, but you also got to give up this idea of what you think this is too. Because whatever you think this is, it's not that. Yeah, <laughs> You're still looking at it with the same mindset. And that's a challenge where people get stuck I mean, I see more spiritual seekers and less people seeing what's really happening. Mm -hmm. So so it just, these talks kind of just, they evolve. I can give the same similar theme talk one year after the next, but there's this, this one's changed, right? Everything's changed. The understanding has changed. And then just to, to keep kind of bringing to the people to this point of seeing, uh, of seeing what's really going on, of seeing who they really are. Yeah. So that that you can really let go because you have to let go. If we're if we're just letting go because we see how we're creating suffering, there will always be something that comes along that you can't quite let go of. Mm. It has to be underpinned with the wisdom of seeing, or I sh should say, in the path at least that I'm teaching, it has to be underpinned with the wisdom of seeing. Mm. The wisdom of seeing. The wisdom of seeing for yourself. Not just hearing what someone else is telling you, but yeah. seeing for yourself what is really happening. Mm. Mm -hmm. That was good. That was pretty powerful. Oh. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Mm. So where do you say we start along this path? Uh, how do we not get caught in all of the narratives of the ego? What does one have to do or maybe not do in order for us to truly reside in this uh in the sense of seeing what we really are i mean depending upon where people are starting because everyone's coming to this path um from different state from different places i mean there's some people that are innately have this wisdom to start with they just need a little bit of nudging Right, they mm -hmm. just need that little bit of nudging, and others, it's that you've got to really start. And this is where I would think more in the work that I do when I work one-on-one -on -one with people. So, I'm establishing where someone is first, if they're really lost in their ego and their identification, and they're so convinced that all of their suffering is because their neighbor's building next door, <laughs> or because their spouse is dating, or because their boss is micromanaging them. Then, then it's it is that starting with the, the daily meditation and mindfulness practice of seeing and understanding again the thought habits that are not unique to any of us. That mm -hmm. we all our minds all wander in the same way, the same five ways. We go out to the future, we go out to the past, and then the judging and comparing and narrating. Same five ways that we're all thinking. I mean, it's 
it's and, and that we're just rehashing every day. The the character names change, but the plots really pretty much stay the same. They shouldn't be doing that. You know, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, basically the, the, the same thing. I need that. I've got to get over there. I'll be happy. And so helping people to understand that in the beginning, I like to use a lot of neuroscience to understand what's happening in the brain because I think that's helpful. That's brain processes is part of our causes and conditions. And we should understand how those neural networks are, are making our perceptions of how we're seeing the world feel so real. When you feel that someone's looking at you the wrong way and you get stressed, well, you know, maybe looking at you in a in a in an unkind way, or someone dismissing you, or being uh, just being unkind, your brain's responding. Your heart's beating fast. Your blood pressure's up. Your eyes are dilating. You're super focused on the threat. You can't take your attention off of it. Your muscles, all of your glucose is going to your large muscles. You lose your prefrontal cortex, and so you you. You really can't think clearly in that stage, right? And it, and it feels so real, like it feels so real. My, my, I really am threatened. I really am in danger. That person sent me an unkind email hmm. or accused me of something in an email. Like you're clearly not being threatened, but it feels so real. And I think understanding that in the beginning, and it was very helpful for me understanding that in the beginning as well, just kind of how these mind habits keep playing out. And then the, and then the, 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 the survival systems in our brain, whether it's the stress response, feeling threatened, pushing back, or these thought habits playing on the motivation reward pathway. I've got to get that. I've got to get over there. I'll be so happy. I'll be so complete if I get there. And, and even the mind wandering network, right? Where, are, where the ego lives, the default mode network. All of these networks that really are survival systems for us are all backfiring on us today because we're not using them the way they were intended to be mm -hmm. used mm -hmm. and we don't understand them. So I think that's a really good basis for people starting. And then from there, it's just to continue doing, uh, continue meditating and mindfulness and seeing how, again, just seeing the mind, seeing the patterns happening. I'm a big proponent of the heart. I think this is where, this is the conduit, if you will. Uh, when you open your heart, that's when the wisdom drops in, mm. right? We have the intellectual understanding, but the more you open your heart, the, the more you, that's where you get it. That's where you get the teachings. And and then it's probably around that stage when people are really getting it, when they're, they're, they're really understanding their ego, they're understanding impermanence of the world, they're understanding, starting to understand inter interdependence and interconnectedness. And then it's like, okay, now let's look at who's experiencing all of this. How are you arising in each moment? Mm. And and to really, and this, how I really came to see this was not actually through Buddhist teachings. I would say my biggest growth spurts have come from Ramana Maharshi. I did a retreat in India in 2009, and it was on the teachings, uh, the last week of the retreat, the third week was on the teachings of Ramana Maharshi. And all of the stuff I hadn't been really getting in Buddhism all of a sudden made perfect sense. Mm. But I always come back to Buddhism, but it was kind of this, this real nudge that it gave me that it was like, ah. Huh. And then coming back and going, oh, yes, I can see it's all been here, but I wasn't quite getting it. And then doing a, uh, using the guides at, uh, there's a website called Liberation Unleashed. Mm. 
And they walk you through this process of seeing, of directly seeing, of saying, throw out all the teachings you think you know. So when I say people get caught in spirituality, it's because I know I was caught in it. I was caught in looking for the little divine me. It was somewhere in here. And so using those, using self-inquiry at that point, using self-inquiry for people to see, using a lot of the um, direct pointed questions that were asked of me in Liberation Unleashed to help people see there is nothing here that is controlling this. Mm. Brain processes happening, decisioning happening, talking happening, but all in relation to you, how you're nodding your head or you're not nodding your head, yeah. right? All, all of this, if, if the dogs start barking really loudly, something will be affecting the voice over here. Uh, really seeing how you are arising in each moment, that you, you are the ride. You uh, are the ride. Like, yeah. let go. You are the ride. You are the ride. Not just on the ride. You You're not ride. just, right. And I used to say you were on the mm -hmm. ride. And then it was like, oh, no, this is the ride. <laughs> this is the ride. Let go. That's great. This is the ride. <laughs> this is the ride. Enjoy the ride. Like we spend so much time pushing back on the ride. I want the ride to be over there or I should be back on the ride over there or go yeah. faster ride or go slower or go up this. And it's like, let go. Yeah. It's it's all happening. You are trying to control millions. It, it's like, I mean, it's literally like saying I'm trying to control the weather. <laughs> and it, But even more than that, because it's not just controlling the weather, it's trying to control what everyone else is doing around you what the dogs are doing, whether the scorpions have come in the house today or not, or whether um, someone's just texted you before you got on this call and said, oh, I can't, I've got to postpone it. Millions and this, the force of, of all of this stuff happening. And in our little, you know, egocentric, self-centered, I'm the center of the universe, thinking that we are making all of this happen is just absurd yeah. i mean it is beyond absurd and yet we so believe it because this is where people get challenged the most that there's no free will because we still want to believe there's something here that had a choice that's making decisions like decisioning was happening of course brain processes happening but no one making the choices yeah right yeah. And that's where you get, that's where you lose regret. Not because you mm. see the suffering, because you see, I couldn't have done anything else. Yeah, we lose Based guilt. on all the, right. All of the regret, all of the hatred for other people, for ill will, they are who they are because of all of their causes and conditions. I am who I am because of all of these causes and conditions. There's nothing personal here. But that's why I was saying the, the resting on wisdom. And the wisdom, of course, comes from experience, from seeing yourself. Right? We have an intellectual understanding. We hear the teachings and we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Walk out the door, right back up in our heads again. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to get over there. I got to mm -hmm. get to the enlightenment stage. I've got to mm -hmm. get to level six of this class <laughs> or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just always, you know, we go right back up into it because we don't look for ourselves. And and that's where I think the libera or excuse me, the Liberation Unleashed platform was so amazing. I, I was kind of going through this thing already, reading some of Jed McKenna and 
And he's pretty. Have you ever read Jed McKenna? Mm-mm. Heard a lot about him, though. Yeah, he, um, and that's not his real name. It's a pseudonym. But oh. I mean, he really, as I was reading, was kind of offended at first. He's pretty brutal. He's pretty harsh. Mm. But he was really saying, like, you're all wrapped up in your spirituality. You're not looking. And I had yeah. to be honest and go, yeah, he's probably right. I'm probably just reciting things that I'm hearing. Yeah. And I'm yep. not looking. Mm. And that's what's ha- and I think that's one of the challenges we have in spirituality in the West is that there is so much repeating of things and you can sound really yeah. clever. You can sound like you've really got it. Right? But if you're if you're well, if you're saying that, if you're repeating if you're just repeating other people's words and you're not seeing for yourself, eventually there's going to be a point right where it's going to you're kind of going to feel like i'm not well if you're the if you're the teacher or the student it's like i'm not getting there why am i not getting there how many people will say i've been practicing for 30 for 40 for 50 years Mm -hmm. and why aren't i seeing this why does this thing still get under my skin why am i still regretting that thing back there because you're not seeing, you're not looking for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So essentially, it really just comes down to, hmm, man, letting go of control, letting the hands off the steering wheel a little bit, and just stepping back and simply noticing. Is that really the premise? It might be an overgeneralization, but is it just simply not trying to look a certain way, sound a certain way, be somewhere, be somebody? The whole essence of this thing is to just simply witness, become aware of what you are. So it's almost like... um yeah just slow down right in a way just slow down and don't try to be something you're not i feel like that's what we're all trying to do we're trying to be something we're not through the ego yeah and the last trap the last step it seems is the spiritual trap you know to be the spiritual holy person oh man i've been there i know how that feels too it's just our ego dressed up in the spirituality. Yeah. 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 But it's not, I, I will say like the, the seeing of it, like like um, the witnessing, the observing of what's happening, where I think, at least where it's been the most helpful here, where there was just uh, an all of a sudden step back, oh my God, there really is no one in control. Yeah is looking at the decision-making process. Because that is where, again, you will find most people, there's very few people that don't think we have free will. It's a small, in fact, it's a growing number, but it's still a relatively small group of people. Even, Even, I mean, teachers that I would follow will say, well, there's a little bit of free will. Little bit. How can there be a little? There's either there is or there isn't, right? Mm. There, there either there either is an ego, or there isn't. There either is a separate self, or there isn't. It can't be this degree of it being something just well. It's just a little bit. 
if there's, yeah, I'm either a part of the universe or there is something that is not a part of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so in the decision, so so noticing yourself when you're going and you're you're standing in front of the fridge, even just say, how did I get here? Right? We 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 take this all for granted. Well, I'm hungry. Oh, so a biological process was happening that led me here. Where was the decision in that? Well, I was I I um I could have chosen to go out or I could have chosen to eat here. Okay. So I'm not suggesting there's not conscious kind of like kind of actually I don't even want to say that voluntary versus involuntary. That's what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's food in the fridge. And so decisioning happening, you're standing in front of the fridge, you're trying to decide what to eat and notice when your hand reaches for one thing versus another, because we're doing it all, as you said, so fast. And then afterwards, if I were to say, Gary, why did you reach for the, uh, the soup? The leftover soup, and you go, well, I know it's getting kind of old and I, I don't like to waste things and it's kind of cold outside, so I thought I'd have the soup. And it sounds very logical. And I go, oh, well, that seems like a reasonable reason to reach for the soup. But there were a million bits of information coming into your subconscious, <laughs> a million bit different bits of, of, of uh, uh, you know, again, factors happening, the weather, who you were talking to just before, just before you went to the fridge, or you weren't talking to someone before you went to the fridge, how you slept the night before, your hormones, your neurochemistry, all of these things going into the decision to get the soup. But we'll tell ourselves afterwards, because thought is so very good at claiming things. And it will say, well, Gary, you got the soup because it's going old and you wanted to, you didn't want to waste the soup. But probably there's been a time in your life where you did waste the soup. And you actually just went out instead. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and maybe you just wanted to go get some fast food or something because of those were the conditions. And so when we look and we ask ourselves, each time we're reaching for something, where's the, where's the decision? Like notice your hand reaching. And you start to get this sense. I don't really, you know, it, I don't really know. It's just happening. And I kept coming in with thought afterwards to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think, is what really, when we say witnessing and paying attention, pay attention to the decision-making process. Notice mm -hmm. how you're doing things. When you find yourself in the car driving somewhere, how did I get here? How did your spiritual path, we talked about before the call, right? You keep going back and going back and going back and looking at all the factors that led you to where you are today. One little change in your timeline, one little change. And you and I would not be sitting here talking today. Mm -hmm. A rainy day versus a sunny day, mm -hmm. right? For me or for you, it could have been that, that simple of a little change and it would have been a completely different trajectory. Not because Gary was, was, was forging this along, not because Meredith was forging this along, right? It's just, this is the conditions of how, how we ended up here. I mean, I walk around constantly and say, I can't believe this is where I ended up. <laughs> like I can't believe this is how this turned out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I there was no one controlling this. Yeah. Now, do you feel as though once you align with more of a sense of seeing, witnessing, seeing that decision-making process, there is a sort of discernment that comes about but it's not necessarily from you like you're not really thinking about it 
but there's actions that are taking that wouldn't have been taken if you had not seen clearly. You know what I mean by that? Well, that's a condition. Of course, believing that I'm controlling stuff, controlling making decisions is a condition, right? Believing that I am the author of Meredith is a condition. And that condition, I mean, think about how much. So, I mean, that's always the ego, right? The, the, The belief there's something solid and independent inside of me. Not that we don't exist. We do exist. We're not nothing. But we're not a thing. Yeah. And so, absolutely, if I am believing that I am solid and independent and coming from the ego, think of how many limitations I put on myself because of that. Yeah. Because now I'm a little small, finite being, and what will they think of me mm-hmm. if I go and do that? Oh, I can't handle that. My little ego, my little fragile ego <laughs> can't take that. So, think of the limitations that now it doesn't change. Does it change? Uh, like some of your preferences. I mean, still, I always joke about this. I still like Diet Coke. <laughs> I love Diet Coke. I don't drink much of it. Mm-hmm. I get sometimes texts from people. They're worried when I say that. I go, Maybe a couple times a week I'll have a Diet Coke. But I don't drink alcohol. I don't do drugs. I don't party. I don't do anything it's else. Coke. It's my diet. A couple of Diet Cokes a week. Give me that. Got to live a little bit. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and even that, And I because I do use this example all the time. I'll go into the store and I'll, I, I don't, never have Diet Coke here, but I'll go into the store and I'll kind of laugh going, I wonder if I'll get Diet Coke today or not. <laughs> and I'll stand in front of the little cooler kind of cold thing. And literally I'll stand there for, I don't know, 30 seconds or not. And just see like, I wonder if it's going to happen. And it is just this kind of like, oh, she got it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. oh, she didn't. Okay. Yeah. It's because again, like it's this, so, so just saying like, yes, do I still like Diet Coke? I still like to do yoga. I still like to meditate. Uh, I still like to, I love dogs. I love to go for walks with my dogs. I don't love uh, the internet. And I've been fading off the internet for years, but I don't find there's such a need for stimulation. Uh, and, and of course, that's really just been going with my lifestyle for years. It's been since I left my partner I mean, I first went to a monastery. I thought I was going to become a nun and then left the monastery. And that's where then the whole RV. And then I ended up down here in Mexico. Um, so it's been progressing into this wanting to be more alone, wanting to live a life very much dedicated to my spiritual practice. But I have found that it, it, it even more, there's just a greater joy in the simplicity mm. of life. Mm-hmm. And so, but I think that trajectory probably, it has been, the causes and conditions have been kind of moving there for quite a while. But but I, I don't, what I'm trying to say is that it's not like this, all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, Gary, I don't even recognize you anymore. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not going to be like that. I still like, yeah, so I mean, we still like certain things. Um, there's no believing that any of those things are going to complete me. The Diet Coke is not going to complete me. Yeah. Whether my neighbor is making noise or not is my preference would be silence. My preference would be that it's quiet or quiet. I love the birds and the wind and and all of that. But but the when my neighbor is making noise, it's not like oh, there's no longer this like oh they shouldn't be doing that right. Or even if there is for a moment right for a moment of like they shouldn't be doing that, immediately it's oh that's right I'm not the center of the universe, and it's just. Right. There's just this letting because you're just 
there, there's a there's an innate surrendering yeah. into it mm-hmm. that we just naturally surrender to each moment because an acceptance and surrender often used synonymously, but there's a little bit of a difference in that surrender is is there's there's a surrendering to there's something greater than me. I'm not controlling this. I'm not suggesting there's someone controlling all this. I'm not necessarily in the determinism camp, which is normally where they, in philosophy, if you don't believe in free will, then you must be determinist. I'm not necessarily, I, I'm not a determinist. I don't necessarily believe that this is all pre-ordained. I don't think, I think the joy is in seeing how this is all playing out yeah. in each moment mm-hmm. and just... And and yet there is kind of this force that kind of pulls you along as you as you're as you identify less with the ego and your wants are not coming out of the ego so much as just you kind of find yourself have how you found yourself and your own spiritual path and then putting this channel together and you're putting something out and it's not coming from a place of the ego. It just naturally falls into place like it, it's just it, it, there is something and I don't know what it is, but something that I think in the in the lack of resistance and the lack of the desire and the greed, things, all of that kind of falls away. And I think there's just a pureness to the work that you're putting out and to the, the information that you're putting out that just naturally, like you, you're supported in, in, in whatever way you need to be, not in a, I'm going to be a millionaire kind of way, but just it's it's amazing. I found how that has worked out. Like, I mean, how is yeah, I left my job? I I um I was going through a lot of my savings the first few years of this and thinking, what are you doing? You're in your fifties, and <laughs> no one's going to want to hire you if you want to go back to the corporate world. And and there was a, a faith, and and I use that word to describe. There was a definite faith, like I'm not going back to it. Yeah, I'm not going back. Like, let's just see where this keeps going. And so I think. In surrendering, there's a there's a faith that that's a little bit different, but it's than accepting, mm-hmm. and and it's natural. It's not like Gary surrender, let go. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's right. I remember. <laughs> I'm yeah. not the center of the universe. Exactly. <laughs> so one would say, what is surrendering if there is no free will? Because wouldn't you think that there is a decision to surrender? I like to say if there is free will, the only thing that we can do that is not futile with our free will is to surrender to this greater force or flow of this universe that we are a part of. So how do you figure that? How do you explain that? You know, that, yeah, we have to surrender, but is this just like, the surrender is just like a natural byproduct. Like it just happens by grace. You know, I always like to ask people like how they get on the wavelength. Like where does this all come from? And everybody's different, which is, which is wild. Everybody's path is different. Mm-hmm. But I like to think like, what, what is the light bulb moment? How do you get that glimpse into surrendering to a greater sense of yourself? Like what is the catalyst, right? Would you say, it's just grace or is there something where the i don't want to say will because you said there's no free will all right i'll say it there is there something where the will changes where there's like you're trying to control where you're going what you're doing who you're being and really you surrender that 
ideal of will to a greater will or a greater force that is way greater than any kind of will of Gary or of Meredith. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. And not like, um, I, I do want to answer this in two different ways. First of all, the awakening process, because this was a light bulb moment as well. I'm not controlling that either. Yeah. So the moment there's a little bit of getting lost in the ego, and then they're remembering, oh, that's right, I'm not the center of the universe, right? The, the conditions are from previously seeing this, that it's the natural, like you said, it's a natural byproduct of surrendering. It's the, the seeing in The Wizard of Oz that Dorothy thinks is this great, powerful Oz, and then Toto pulls the curtain back and they're like, oh, it's just this little old man pulling a bunch of levers, right? So it's the seeing that that, that can't be unseen. Like yeah. it, it cannot be unseen. And, and so when you see it, and again, it's through that process, and it was through that process that Liberation Unleashed, where all of us, I mean, I literally stepped back going, oh my God, I really, really thought there was something here. And it was just like the rug getting pulled out from under yeah. under me. I mean, it was just like, oh, my God. And and so when there is a and, and what I how I describe where this is now, because for several months, it was just. Just total, just you couldn't just like this is this is crazy. <laughs> like this is but everything I'd learned, you know, 24 years up until then, like all of that ripening for that, you know, bringing all of those causes and conditions ripening for that moment, because not everyone sees it going through that process, although they have a pretty good record. But then there was a, a starting to, there would be times of forgetting again, like, oh, oh, okay, I can see the ego, and then maybe a little bit of identification again. And I do describe that as it, it's a, it's like, it, just habits still have to play out. They still have to play out. They, yeah. you, you turn off the ship, and the big ocean liner still goes for a few miles before it finally slows down, right? Mm -hmm. You turn the engine off. Yeah. And and so the understanding of that too, like, oh, I'm not controlling that. I'm not controlling any of this. And so all of those are previous conditions that lead to that uh, and that automatic, like, oh, surrender. Finally. I really like before it was surrender, like. I'm prying my fingers off one by one because I'm supposed to surrender and this is painful holding on, right? That people, that, that the beginning of the path is, is very much, at least on the path, on the gradual path of the kind of in general of lineages where I, I follow, you're seeing the suffering and you're letting go, letting go because of the suffering, right? And there is wisdom in that. There's an enormous amount of wisdom in that. But then you're seeing Oh, there's nothing holding on. That's surrender. Because you see in that moment, it's just like, it just flips right back again. Oh, this is all just arising. Just all of this, like, what do you, there's not, let go. And it is just that, let go again. I'm not controlling this either. There's no beating myself up because there was a little bit of an ego identification again. Like, it's just that sudden remembering again and just, and then the naturally surrendering. Like like Michael Singer. Do you know Michael Singer? Mm, not really. I think I've heard of him. He wrote he The saying? Untethered Soul. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great book. Um, mm -hmm. And then he, very much his path is about surrendering. He's a fabulous teacher. Uh, 
And and I've done his I did his course many years ago on Sounds True on the surrender experiment and read his book. And his is very much a faith-based, like surrendering to God. Um, God in the more, I think he's more in the kind of Hindu, kind of n- not a Judeo-Christian type uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, God, but kind of surrendering to it all in that way. And it sounded so beautiful. And I remember doing that course and thinking like, yeah, I want to get to that. But I didn't, I still couldn't, like I could surrender under certain circumstances, but then there'd always be something that would get me. And it's like, nope. I can't surrender to this, you know, try mm. as I might to pry myself. It was the seeing. It was the seeing there is no one here that's controlling this. Because I was trying to surrender, still believing there was something here controlling this, even controlling the awakening process. I just, I need to do another course. I need to go on another retreat. I need to meditate five hours a day. I need to, like, grasping at all of this. And, and not to say that all of those things in some way don't help. But like the Zen saying, enlightenment is an accident. Practice makes you accident prone. Great. But anytime you're grasping at anything, it's just getting further away. This is the part I just see missing so much in spiritual teachings. And it's like, look there. What do you think? Who do you think is becoming enlightened? (laughs) No one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We still can use the word. And I use the word like enlightenment, talking about the Buddha and his enlightenment. But there was no one that became enlightened. That's, again, part of the the joke that you become in on. Oh, there was no one here to become enlightened. That was just the ego. Mm -hmm. You're just grasping at this, right? And just getting in our way at every turn. At every turn, it's the master of disguises. The master of disguises. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, man. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the point of it. Every teaching is to bring one back home to that sense of, um, you could say self or no self, depending on how you look at it. But that's really what it's all about, is a remembrance or a reminder. That's how I see every valid teaching, at least, is a reminder that maybe you're taking yourself too seriously, you're taking everything too seriously, you're grasping you're trying to control. If it's a good teacher or teaching, they do that for you. They'll bring you back into shine the light and see that uh, there is no one to shine the light on. <laughs> That's why I like about um, Zen and Buddhism because that's the direction that they take is the direction of really no direction, a direction of like negativity, a negativity that isn't really like bad you know, it's not in that sense of negativity, but a sense of negating all that isn't serving one, negating all of the illusions of the ego. Like Zen Kohans are a perfect example of that. They they don't lead you anywhere. <laughs> there's no punchline, you know. <laughs> right. There's no answer to come back and say, Master, this is the answer. And yeah. then he's gonna go, Oh, go right back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's to bring you somewhere. It's to bring you and the word, by the way, because you, you just used the word, um, we use the word remember. Mm-hmm. In Pali, the language of the Buddha, or the Buddha's time, uh, the word for mindfulness was sati, S-A-T-I. Mm-hmm. And there's often several translations of whatever the Pali word is into English. And one of the translations is also remember. 
And I love that translation because that's where it is at this stage. It's just, oh, yeah, just remember. You forgot for a moment. You forgot. You thought yeah. Meredith was, you thought Meredith, who Meredith was and where she was going to get to was important for a moment. You forgot, right? Remember. Just yeah. remember. And I think, and I think it's a double-edged sword though in Buddhism because the Buddha was very, very clear and clever in not naming this something when he would say no self, anatta. And he would say it's the deathless, the deathless, right? You can't make an image out of that. And I think one of the challenges for us is that when we use words, and I'm I'm guilty of using these words as well, like true self, true nature. And I, I kind of like the word true nature better, but true self, oh, the true self is the more divine self, right? We kind of, yeah. we, we, we make it into something again. And what, and, and again, it's not, it's seeing that whatever you, what we are, is a process, an arising. Millions of what went into making Meredith in this moment and Gary in this moment is a million, trillion, billion, quadrillion different things that are who we are in this moment. That It is that process that you see the whole thing and you're like, oh, so there's something here. You exist, but you don't exist as this small, independent lacking little thing that you think you exist as and that you spend most not you but I'm, but where mo most people spend the majority of their lives worrying about this little me and what's going to happen to me and what do they think about me and what do I think about me and I'm never going to get ahead and they're getting more than me right they spend most of their lives worried about this and it literally the thoughts point to an image they the the thought what do they think about me right? Subject, object. I have created a little imaginary me in my head that is yeah. feeble and small and is in some way unworthy and unlovable and afraid. Mm. And I believe that reality more than I believe my sight, my sound, my, my taste, my touch, my smell, my senses, that I'm safe, that I'm okay. And we spend all, so much of our time making up little stories about this little me. I don't think they like me. They didn't greet me as nicely as they should have. Someone didn't respond to my text. Oh no, someone left a bad comment on my video, right? Always imagining that they're, and really believing. And it's like, this is where the self-inquiry comes in, right? The, the Advaita Vedanta. Who is it that's worried about what they think about you, right? Who is it that's fretting? Who is it that's worried? Because then in the looking, in the looking for it, right? You can't hold these two different thoughts. You're either holding the ego in your thoughts, yeah. right? It, it, it can only exist in your thoughts or you're looking for it. And it's in the looking for it that you also either have that direct experience because some people will look and just, I don't know what, I can't find it. I don't know what, but, but they don't get there, right? Like you were saying, the cone, it doesn't really take them there. Yeah. Their conditions weren't ripe yet. But then for others where it's just like, oh, oh my God, in the seeing there's nothing there, it opens everything up for you. Mm. And so, and that's where I was saying like, it was the the direct path teachings of Ramana Maharshi that along with, I would say the liberation unleashed, all resting on Buddhism, the wisdom and compassion teachings that all kind of helped put this together. And, it, and, and again, not like something put this together, but just kept leading it along. And then all of a sudden, you know, just the veil just kept getting pulled back again and again and again. And it's the seeing. It's the seeing. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. 
there's so many different labels that we could say what we see what we see in the scene right stuff like ultimate freedom infinite consciousness uh i say the magnificence of the moment the miraculous nature of the moment there's so much i was going to ask you like how would you describe what you see but at the end that's futile to even try and describe it right it's it's why? inadequate yeah it, inadequate that's a better way to say it <laughs> any word it's just like really i like to say miracle and keep it at that it's a mysterious miracle <laughs> but even it is, that and that's and that's what we kind of take out of this when we try and label it and put something on it right we 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 take the mystery and we i think we've done a lot of that through science which i love science i mean my degree is in microbiology from college i mean i i love science i told you i love neuroscience um but we've taken so much of the mystery out of the world thinking yeah. that we can explain and we can explain things through science but we don't explain the 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 like we can explain the logistics of kind of how things work but why right mm -hmm. why is all of this happening yeah. is the mystery and i think in there it really is it's so like when you step back and you're like this is crazy this is <laughs> i i don't know what this is the, the best way and i i do subscribe to and this is just because it seems to make sense i don't have but but the way advaita vedanta explains it as consciousness is fundamental and this is conscious so consciousness is i mean is fundamental i mean it doesn't it's not something that's coming off of the brain i mean science has not been able to figure that out and a lot of scientists are realizing maybe we're looking at the problem the wrong way maybe mm -hmm. it's our maybe we've surmised this incorrectly to start with yeah and and so i would say that it's like consciousness or awareness something along those lines because we do use words they are inadequate even when we say that even if you say like yeah it seems to make sense that and if you listen to people like Donald Hoffman or Anika Harris, Sam Harris's Anika, Anita, Anika, I think is her name, Sam Harris's wife. Uh, and there's some other really um forgetting their names right now, some scientists that are studying this. And when they explain it, it kind of makes sense that this is what it is. But those are just words. Those are just words. Like to say, do we even know what consciousness is? Like you can either be it. Meredith can't experience consciousness. Meredith can't. I mean, uh, being awake consciousness, right? Little consciousness, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're either it, you know, you're either it, but you can't explain it. Can't, you can't come back then and say, well, now let me explain it. I love the quote by uh, Francis of Assisi, because this just puts you in it every time. What's looking is what you're looking for. That's it right there. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. <laughs> it's that simple and yet, and yet incredibly, it's simple but not easy because yeah. the identification, the belief in the ego is just, it's so strong. The illusion is so compelling. Our, the believing in our thoughts is so real. Yeah. It feels so real. Sorry, it feels so real. Mm that we can't see what is right here. Because when you do see, you think, oh my God, how did I miss this? It's like, oh. 
how did I miss this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And then yet you can still see your own ego then starting to kind of come back up again. And yeah. And it's yeah. like and wanting to explain it. And it's like, well, it's only a problem when I think about it. So let me not think about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This is good. Um wow. You're really well spoken. I appreciate you coming on here. Um oh, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I really mean that. This is awesome for me to do with you and um yeah hopefully others are getting something from this this is uh this is great you deserve a lot more viewers for sure so keep doing your thing um i'm not wrapping this thank thing you. up i'm just praising you as we go oh that's um, nice of you thank you i appreciate it <laughs> <I wanna, laughs> uh i want to get into where this all comes from as in the ego because we touched upon that before we recorded we can touch upon that um what is that book called the fall so uh steve taylor the fall mm -hmm. and he is incredible he's written many many good books in fact he's also i first came across his writings just that you might be interested where he he just talks about all the different types uh, well about all of the people that have awakened because we also kind of have this idea that awakening is is only for a few small people and and it's much more common than we realize and just because not everyone that awakens writes a book about it or goes out and teaches, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and and there's a lot of, anyway, he wrote, wrote a great book on that. And I can't remember the name of it right now, but he's written out on a seven or eight books. But this book is called The Fall. And he gives a theory or a hypothesis for how the ego evolved. And what I found so fascinating in the book was that if you if you just look at indigenous tribes today, indigenous tribes that are not affected by Western culture, they live pretty good lives, right? They they work a few hours a day, they go and forage for food or maybe go hunting. And they're all, you know, it's they're they're generally egalitarian uh societies. There's no kind of someone trying to get to the top and push someone else down. There's a lot of free time that they dance and they sing and they play and and sit around and make baskets and and mend and do what they need to do. But they're actually pretty, they lead pretty good lives. And there's very little stress or anxiety. No one's on antidepressants. They're not worried about the future, right? They live very much in balance with nature. And of course, they do experience stress, like if they're being chased by a tiger in that moment, right? Yes. Stress response, that's what it's there for. But you know, five years later, they're not still complaining about that tiger that was always out to get him, <laughs> right? They're just, it happened and they're, it's over with. So they're mm -hmm. living very much, very much in balance in nature and very much in reverence of nature, really uh -huh. understanding their place in nature. Yeah. And so we can look at tribes today and see this. And the research that Dr. Taylor did was looking back that pre, um, I think 7,500 years ago, where we lived mostly in tribes, right? And there wasn't a lot of evidence of warfare. There wasn't a lot of evidence of aggression, occasional little bouts kind of coming out here and there. But that what happened was in the Sahara region, where it used to be a very fertile, uh, very green, very lush, uh, lots of plant, wildlife, lots of animals, it was a very uh, 
fertile land to live off of. And a lot of humans were living there in Sahara, in the Sahara, what's now the Sahara Desert. And when the Sahara started um, becoming a desert, the desertification or desertification of it around 7,500 years ago, it started to become scarce. So good land started to become scarce. Resources started to become scarce. Animals scarce, water scarce. And in a need, humans that lived in that area, right? Because not everywhere, but lived in that area. But it was a a fairly good, well-populated area when it was very fertile. They started then thinking more about me. I need to get, I need to save this little bit of land over here for me. I need to protect this land over here for me, my family. And I need to keep you away and that his explanation is that this is when the ego came out, like when we started uh, thinking more about me, right? That's the whole ego. It's all about mm, me. What do mm. I want? What am I going to get? And so it came out of a, a need for survival. And of course, this is where we look at the the birth of Western civilization, right? Then you kind of look at the the surrounding areas and in, in, um, in Egypt and what's now Iraq and Iran, and right? So that's kind of as that area, they, of course, some were moving on, but not as fertile areas. And it all became about me. And then out of that came the patriarch society. So becoming a very much a hierarchical society. Some people having a lot, uh, most of the others not having much at all. So it, it became about owning land. This is my land. This is my property. These are my things. This is my wife, my property. I mean, we took ownership of, of animals, of other people as slaves, right? But all of this, there's no evidence of this before this time, before 7,500 years ago, owning another person. That's um, interesting. And so out of this, this is what he calls in the ego explosion, where it just exploded and it became our dominant um, mindset. We were no longer living in an egalitarian community of just caring for each other, taking what we needed on the day. It now became about manipulating the manipulating what we could, trying to grow more out of smaller areas, trying to 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 uh, increase the yields, and it it was it was never satisfied mm -hmm. because that's another telltale sign of the ego. It's never enough. It's never enough. You could have millions and billions of dollars. It's still not enough. You could be praised every day. It's mm -hmm. still not enough. It's insatiable. Yeah. And so, you know, out of this coming then where where we even have today where there's this massive disparity in income inequality and wealth with a few people owning so much and then people that are starving and can't pay for medical care for their children and and that we see we see this as normal. If we saw a tribe of coyotes, let's say, and one coyote, they all go out and kill it, right, together. And then one coyote says, no, I'm taking it off in my little fenced-in area over here. I'll, I'll throw you some of the entrails, some of the scraps. We would look and go, how unnatural is that? <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? And yet we think this is completely normal yeah. for us. And it's and so while there might have been a usefulness for it for a period, anytime we're evolving, there was a usefulness for survival. Mm. Because our brain is about survival. It doesn't care whether you're happy or not. Mm. It wants you to survive. Yeah. So that's, while there might, that's rule number one. 
<laughs> it is always rule number one. The brain's like survive. That's it. Yeah. And and we we get that confused because we think the brain is about making us happy. No, it's about survival. Yeah. And and so it's just gotten completely out of control. And of course, what do we see? So we have these great conditions where we live in the West, um, Northern America, uh, and have homes and we have technology and we have food and we have clothing and we have uh, maybe a little money in the bank. Like we have what we need and we have these good lives and, and many do, many do. And yet the, and the depression rates, particularly in North America, like on a per capita basis or just in the West, in the richest countries are higher than places where Papua New Guinea it's mostly still trying. So we're depressed, we're anxious, we're ADHD, bipolar. I mean, the number of mental um, diseases that have come out of the ego, this thinking about me, the selfishness, this greed, this insatiable appetite, feeling I'm not enough, feeling I'm not worthy. I mean, how many people, in fact, especially young men today, that feel this, that don't feel like they're enough. They feel like um, you know, they've been kind of, they're the bad guy because of all the patriarchy stuff that took place before. Yeah. Right. And then this, and then their ego is like, oh my God, you're so terrible. You're so, you're so unworthy. And, 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 and just what it's doing to our society. It's almost like we are kind of imploding on ourselves. And yet at that same time, there's this surgence of, of people saying, I've had enough of this. Yep. Like, I've lived, you've lived the life, right? I mean, I lived, I worked for 25 years in the financial industry and, you know, did a lot of things, but it was never enough. It never, you know, it never satisfied me. And then I started meditating as I was working in the, the financial industry. I mean, that's what led to this leap that I took when I finally just said, I'm done. I'm leaving my partner. I'm leaving my home. I'm leaving my job. I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm done with this. Yeah. Yeah. And more and more people are doing that. And so mm -hmm. I think it has now the ego, the evolution, the next stage of this evolution is the spiritual awakening, not to something that is godlike, not to something that is other than you know, superhuman, back to our original state. Yeah. Just back to our that's but you know, it's it's not, it's not. We, we make it out to be this big, 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 big thing. And I think in that way, too, it keeps it further away from us. True. Mm -hmm. right? And not to underestimate, again, the ego identification. I'm not underestimating that because it's very strong. I mean, it's um, our ability to cling to our suffering. is very, <laughs> you know, it's very strong. But But what we're trying to do here also is just to come back to what it, to, to live in harmony with with the planet, with the world, with nature, to recognize we are a part of nature, that we are a part of each other, that you are arising right now, Gary, based on my words. I am arising right now based on how you're nodding right now or the your words that come and everything else. And seeing that that's the mystery. That's the like, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know. Like none of us really knows, right? Mm -hmm. And seeing that mystery and going in flow with it and finding the joy in that and less, less, repetition of or less grasping for material objects thinking that you're going to find happiness there because you're not we've all tried it 
We've all tried it. We've it doesn't mean it. that we, we, yeah. And it's like, didn't work. No. It didn't work. Jim Carrey has a quote and he says, uh, who, by the way, has had some kind of spiritual awakening as well. I don't know if you've watched some of his talks. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm going to paraphrase, but it's something along the lines of, I wish everyone could get famous and wealthy and have every experience they have ever wanted to have and have everything that they've ever wanted so that they could see that's not it. Yeah, I've heard that. That's a good one. Yeah, it's not it. Mm -hmm. It's the simple moments. It's the moments of just seeing how you're arising, how this is coming together, and the and the recognition, I don't know what's going to happen later. There's a plan. Let's see how it unfolds, right? I don't know how I'm going to feel then. And it's all this, it's a surprise. Your life is a surprise in each moment. It's like, yeah, let's see how this goes. There's a yeah. plan. I don't know if it's going to work out or not, but let's see. Mm -hmm. hmm. Let's see. Let's see, yeah. You know what? On that note, I think it's a wonderful uh, way to wrap this whole thing up. Um, this was great. This was awesome. Um, I don't even I could talk to you all day, but I think I think that's a perfect note to wrap it up. At. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to say? No, I just thank you for this opportunity to speak with you. I mean, I've enjoyed this, too. This has been a lot of fun. So yeah. thank you, Gary. I appreciate what you're doing. What you're you're also contributing to this, right? Everyone is. Mm -hmm. Actually, we'll end it on the note on the words of Ram Dass. Mm. We're all just walking each other home. There it is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So true. <sighs> well, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I thank you for coming on here. And sharing Thanks. your time, effort, and wisdom with me and anybody listening in the future. Um, keep on doing your thing, please. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know what else to say <laughs> other than thank you. Um, oh, you're so welcome, Gary. Thank you. I appreciate it. For sure. I wish you all the best. Peace and love to you and peace and love to anybody that listened this long. We're all walking each other home, y'all. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks so much, Gary.